Good morning. My name is Randall Bradley, and I'm one of the ministers here at Calvary, and it is a great pleasure to welcome you to, our, uh, to this time of worship today. If you are new to Calvary, we are especially uh, glad that you're with us today. We welcome you, and we hope that you will find warm hospitality here and a warm sense of welcome. If you would be so kind as to fill out this information form, we would love to um, send you a letter and uh, get in touch with you by email and maybe talk with you about some ways that you might be involved. So if you're willing to do that, we would appreciate it. This morning, um, also, if this is your every week place to stop, if this is the place that you find yourself in this pew and that pew and this pew and wherever, every single week, you're also welcome here. I think sometimes in our lives we forget to say thank you to the people that really do show up every single week and the people who hold down their spots, and it's great to see all of you today. Thank you for being here. This has been an emotion-filled week for, I think, our entire country. However you perceived the election process and wherever you might have stood and whatever you're hearing, I don't think any of us are without emotion. Um, and I think it's, it makes that a difficult time to be who we are and to gather in this place. But I also would say to us, I don't think there's a more important place that we could be today. I think this is the place we need to be most today, and I'm glad that you are here and that we're here together. Um, as we look at this week and where we are today in worship, uh, what our, in planning, which actually, interestingly enough, happened a few weeks ago for this service, and whatever you feel and experience today, I want to tell you that this was planned in advance, and this week we all sort of looked at each other and said, you know, we actually forgot about the election um, when we were planning a few weeks ago, so whatever fits, I want you to know that to our planning knowledge, this was the way God intended it to be, and it was not, um, we came back this week and did something differently and planted it at the last minute. So I just want to say that to you. I feel like it's kind of important that that be acknowledged. As we're gathering today, we are looking forward also. We are, as your staff and as leadership in the church, we are setting the place for God to be present in the weeks to come. The first place that we're setting is next Sunday is literally going to be a dinner. Uh, next Sunday morning when you come in, there's going to be food in the back of the worship uh, space. It's going to be food that you bring and food that, if you haven't already heard about it, that you can read about it this week and know what you're supposed to bring. But there will be smells in here of uh, Thanksgiving food, of uh, Thanksgiving fair. There will be lots of celebratory things happening next week, and we will be setting the table. So we hope that you will be here next week and make that a grand event. Also this week, you, if, if you've been reading the Tower and reading different things, we are starting a prayer emphasis so there will be a spirit of prayer going on in our congregation, both for the people who are on the pastor search committee, but for all of us here and for all of us in this place. Uh, there's also preparation for Advent happening. Advent, this big, huge celebration that, surprisingly enough, starts two weeks from today. Uh, you will find green or red envelopes um, around the sanctuary in different places. We ask you to take one of these and to consider purchasing a poinsettia to uh, commemorate someone, to honor someone, to say thank you in memory. There are many different ways that you could use this. There will be 50 poinsettias, and two weeks from today when you arrive, the worship space will look very different and will be uh, set for a celebration of the season of Advent. In terms of looking toward the future, there will be a pastor search report this afternoon at 6 o'clock. It will be in the chapel, which is right across the way. The pastor search team will be there to fill you in on what's going on, to give you one last opportunity to express yourself, to give your voice uh, to that process. There will be child care provided, and uh, you're certainly invited to be a part of that. One thing I know is that God is faithful, and I don't know how God is, does it, and I don't know how God comes through, and I don't know how that's going to happen for us today or in our future, but I come to you with great confidence that God is faithful. Uh, when I look in the rearview mirror of my life and I look around and say, God, you were faithful, there's evidence there to show that. I hope there's evidence in your life, but if there isn't, and you're not seeing it today, there is evidence around you. 
that God is faithful. We're going to trust that wholeheartedly today, and we're going to stand now and proclaim that faith as we sing, God, great is thy faithfulness. Let us now join in worship. Dear Heavenly Father, where we need hope, remind us of your faithfulness. Where we feel weary, 
remind us of your strength. Where we feel guilty, remind us of your grace. Where we fear, remind us of your presence. In places of turmoil, remind us of your peace. Above all this morning, Lord, in all these things, remind us of your abundance. Amen. Voices around us seem to scream, there isn't enough, don't share, hold on to what you've got, fend for yourself, this is a world of scarcity. There are not enough resources or time or people, abundance, it's a myth. For God so loved the world, come unto me and I will give you rest. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
let the little children come unto me. My grace is sufficient for you. Take heart, I have overcome the world. God's love for us overflows. There is no scarcity in our relationship with God. We are deeply loved and called to love deeply. The kingdom of God is shaped by abundance. And trust that God is good and will provide what we need. Lord, give us grace. Grace to quiet the words of this world, pushing us to hoard all we can gather, and instead hear your call to lavishly give of ourselves that we might resound your love in this world. Grace to drink from the living water you offer that truly quenches our thirsts and produces a spring welling up inside that we might be vessels used to pour your abundant love out around us. Lord, please give us grace. We will, we will be coming to different stations around the sanctuary for Lord's Supper, including a gluten-free station in the back. Please exit your pew on the right and return on the left. Feel free to sit and pray for a moment and come when you feel led. If you'd like to receive communion at your seat, please raise your hand and a deacon will come to you. Children who haven't yet made a profession of faith are invited to come to the front to receive a blessing. So today we come to the table to remember again how the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Today we come to the table confessing our doubts that there is enough and our beliefs in the messages of scarcity. Today we come to the table trusting in a God who loves us deeply. Today we come to the table of plenty. Come, Christ welcomes you to his table.
A reading from the book of Exodus. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out for Elam, and Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month, after they had departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them, whether they follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For what are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. The house of Israel called it manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let a daily portion of it be kept throughout your generations, in order that they may see the food with which I fed you in the wilderness, when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put a daily portion of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the covenant for safekeeping. The Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to habitable land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. This is the word of the Lord.
Oh, great God, give us rest. Quiet our hearts, quiet our minds, quiet our souls. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing to you. O oh Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I don't know about you all, but over the course of this week, I have become weary. On Monday, I listened as the doctor showed me charts that my bone density has dropped significantly over the past year, despite lots of hard work and exercise, and I became weary. On Tuesday, I watched as our nation became more divided than I've seen in my lifetime after an exhausting, bruising, contentious election, and I became weary. On Wednesday, I saw our country explode with hate, unkind words toward people who supported all different candidates, and indifference toward the fears and anxieties of people who are marginalized, and I became weary. On Thursday, I heard the testimony of a Baylor student named Natasha, who shared that she was assaulted on her way to class because of the color of her skin, and I became so weary. On Friday, I began arguing with my brother over text message, mind you. We both shared unkind words, and I realized how quickly we had become the very worst versions of ourselves and I became weary. And on Saturday, I got sick. <laughs> Maybe my body just couldn't handle the weariness anymore. So that was my week. And I know that there are a whole host of reasons why many of us in this room could be weary today. Some of us are caring for close friends and family members who are battling cancer or life-threatening illnesses. Some of us are struggling with mental or physical health challenges for which there are just no easy fixes or quick solutions. Some of us are waiting for test results to come back. Some of us are grieving a significant loss and trying to reorient ourselves in the fog of it all. Some of us are afraid of how the growing polarization and hatred that we see will affect us and our families and those whom we love. Some of us are caring for young children, and some of us are trying to care for adult children. And the struggles and exhaustion of parenting at any age can make us so weary. I wonder what weariness you carry with you into this room today. Well, if you find yourself feeling weary, I truly believe that there's no better place for us to be than here, and no better time than now. Because today we join together as the family of God in this place, worshiping the God who says, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Today's text, which was actually chosen weeks ago, but seems all the more timely now, is Exodus chapter 16. And perhaps you and I can closely identify with the main characters in our text, because I can't think of a more weary group of people in all of scripture than the Israelites who are wandering through the wilderness. And as Exodus 16 begins, we discover that it's been almost two months since God delivered the people of Israel from slavery under the rule of Pharaoh. It's been almost two months since that incredible night when God parted the waters of the sea and the Israelites marched through to the other side. And all of these things were great and wonderful, but now the Israelites find themselves in the middle of the wilderness. 
without food, unsure of what's next, and worried about how they're going to survive. Their situation is dire, and there is no visible way out. I'm sure weary is an understatement for what they are feeling. And so they begin to complain. Now, lots of commentaries tend to poke fun at the complaints of the Israelites. One article I read actually called them nincompoops and greedy sluggards who were pathetically whiny. And, and it's true, from the outside looking in, we could say, have these people lost all faith? Look at how God provided for them, how God had delivered them from slavery and parted the waters of the sea just verses before. Do they not trust God to take care of them anymore? But it, it's easy for us to make comments like that when we are not in the wilderness with them, on foot, with no food to eat. You, you see, I don't think the Israelites are pathetically whiny. I think they are realistically human. Or as the Urban Dictionary would call them, I think they are hangry, which is what happens when we're so hungry that we become irritable and frustrated and angry, we become hangry. And so for us to condemn the hangry Israelites for their complaining would be to suggest that complaining has no place in our life with God, which simply is not true. The book of Psalms gives voice to so many different complaints about experiences of abandonment, suffering, grief, and fear. Job freely expresses his complaints against God and the way God chooses to interact with the world. And even from the cross, Jesus cries out a voice of complaint. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Dr. Elna Silvang, who's a professor of religion at Concordia College, says this, at its core, Complaint is not turning to God. Complaint is turning to God, not away from God. At its core, complaint is a turning to God, not away from God. And, and so for us to offer a complaint shows a willingness to be completely open and utterly vulnerable with God about our fear, our suffering, our anger, and our deep need. And the beautiful thing in this text is that God hears the Israelites' complaints. It says that four different times, that God hears them. So if you find yourself needing to offer a word of complaint today to God, know that there is space for that. There is space for that in this place. There is space for that in our scripture. And there is space for that in the history of the people of God. God hears the complaints of God's people and provides them with quail in the evening and manna in the morning. And day by day, the Israelites gather enough food for that day, one day at a time, no more and no less. And God provides exactly enough for what they need. While it sounds so simple, I think it's some of the most profound wisdom that you and I can lean into during weary times, to trust in God's care for us one day at a time. After all, Jesus teaches us not to worry about tomorrow, what we will eat or drink, what we will wear, but to trust in him to care for our needs one day at a time. And when we pray, Jesus instructs us to pray for our daily bread, not what we need for the week or the year, but what we need for this day. As Sherry DeHay reminded me this week from the words to a gospel song, one day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking from you. Just give me the strength to do every day what I have to do. Yesterday's gone and tomorrow may never be mine. Lord, help me today, show me the way, one day at a time. And so one day at a time, the Israelites gather their manna. Now, if you've ever wondered what manna is, you are in good company. The Israelites must have asked themselves the very same question 
because the Hebrew word manhu literally means what is it? So part of me envisions the Israelites like little children who when we put something on their dinner plate that they've never seen before, they turn up their nose and they ask, what is it? But if you travel to the Sinai Peninsula, you will discover what it is. And in fact, the people who live there still gather it and bake it into bread, which they call manna. Now, you might be surprised, I was, to find out that the flakes themselves actually come from plant lice that feed on trees. And these bugs excrete a juice that becomes a flaky substance rich in sugars and carbohydrates. It decays quickly and it tends to attract bugs so you wouldn't want to gather more than one day's worth. Little did we know that manna came from plant lice. Now, now some people might hear this description and think it kind of takes out the miraculous nature of manna. But Barbara Brown Taylor says this, <coughs> She says, does manna have to come out of nowhere in order to qualify as a miracle? Or is the miracle that God heard the complaining of hungry people and fed them with bug juice, with food it would never have occurred to them to eat? She goes on to say, if your manna has to drop straight out of heaven and look like a perfect loaf of butter-crusted bread, the chances are you are going to grow hungry a lot. But if, on the other hand, you are willing to look at everything that comes to you as coming from God, then there will be no end to the manna in your life. Nothing will be too ordinary or too transitory to remind you of God. Perhaps the miracle is that God is always sending us something to eat. Day by day, God is made known to us in the simple things that sustain our lives. And so in the midst of my sickness this weekend, a good friend left a bottle of juice and a Hershey's chocolate bar on my front step. And that was manna. On Friday, hundreds of Baylor students, faculty and staff walked with Natasha to class to take a stand against injustice and to show her that they loved her and they walked with her and that was manna. Also on Friday, my brother and I forgave each other. And we told each other that we love each other. And that was manna. On Wednesday, I read stories of hope of people reaching out to friends and neighbors and even complete strangers to remind them that they are loved, to hear each other's stories, and to let them know they're not alone. And that was manna. On Tuesday, I was reminded what a great privilege it is to vote. And I remember that there was a time in our country not too long ago when women weren't given that right, when people of color weren't given that right. And that little sticker they handed me as I walked out the door, that was manna. And on Monday, the doctor put me back on medication that we know will strengthen my bones day by day. And I immediately started taking it and that was manna. One day at a time, God cared for the Israelites with manna being a simple yet powerful reminder of God's faithfulness to them. But God also required action on their part. One day at a time, the Israelites intentionally went looking for, gathering, and finding these signs of God's faithfulness to them. And I wonder what manna is sitting right in front of us, if only we would have the eyes to see it. My friends, this is our task at all times, and especially during weary times, to relentlessly look for manna, for signs of hope, because they are all around us. But I would also take it a step further to say that sometimes our challenge is to become manna of hope, for and with one another. After all, if we are to follow in the way of Jesus, who called himself the bread of life, perhaps we too can become bread for a hungry and hurting world. Who in our lives, who in our families, 
in our schools, in our church, in our community? Who needs us to be manna, to care for them, to be a safe space for them, to encourage them, to sustain them, and to remind them daily that they are not alone in their weariness? Brothers and sisters, may the story of God's faithfulness to the Israelites and may Jesus, the very bread of life, empower us with strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow so that we do not become weary in doing good. For we will reap a harvest at the proper time if we do not give up. So then whenever we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those in the family of faith, one day at a time. There's a song called Walk Together Children that slaves sang as they continued to hope and to pray for the day when they would finally be free. And we know that it was sung at watch night services in 1862 as slaves gathered together the night before the Emancipation Proclamation went into effect. And it was also sung in civil rights marches in the 1960s included the 54-mile march from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama, and it continues to be sung in many churches today. I don't know the exact songs that the Israelites sang as they made their way through the wilderness toward the Promised Land, but I would imagine that they probably sang songs like this too. And so I couldn't think of a better way to end this sermon than by singing it with you. And it goes like this. Walk together, children, don't you get weary. Walk together, children, don't you get weary. Walk together, children, don't you get weary. There's a great camp meeting in the promised land. Sing together, children, don't you get weary. Sing together, children, don't you get weary. Sing together, children, don't you get weary. There's a great camp meeting in the promised land. Pray together, children, don't you get weary. Pray together, children, don't you get weary. Pray together, children, don't you get weary. There's a great camp meeting in the promised land. Work together, children, don't you get weary. Work together, children, don't you get weary. Work together, children, don't you get weary. There's a great camp meeting in the promised land. God, we come to you today asking that you would give us the courage and the strength and the power of your spirit to not become weary. In whatever situation we are facing, whatever we are carrying today, we place that in your hands because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. God, we ask that you would give us strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow and that we would be people who daily search for signs of that hope, of the manna that is sprinkled all around us, and that we would daily aspire to become people who are manna because we want to follow you, the bread of life, and we want to give our lives for your sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in just a few moments, we will be baptizing Haven Hobbs, and Haven's baptism will be an incredible example for us of what it looks like to respond to God who restores us from our weariness and raises us up to walk in this brand new way of life. 
And if you would like to talk with someone today about following Christ like Haven has chosen to do, we would love to visit with you. Or if you want to talk about becoming part of this community here at Calvary, where we seek to know and to follow Jesus and to walk hand in hand with one another, we'd love to talk with you. Or if you're feeling weary today and would like to pray with someone, we would love to pray with you. However God leads you to respond, deacons and staff will be ready to receive you and to pray with you as we continue in worship. God, Lord of seasons of harvest, Lord in journeys of wilderness, help us when abundance pushes us to consume our gifts for our own gain. Help us when scarcity drives us to consume our struggles for our own needs. Let us not seek security and success defined by the world around us. Let us find peace 
and faithfulness and your love, your daily provision, that we may give of our time, our money, ourselves in response to your love. Amen.
As is our tradition, I'm going to ask the, all the boys and girls to come forward now and join me and let's moving up toward the baptistry. As the boys and girls lead you, the rest of you follow closely behind and let's crowd up around the baptismal waters as if we were standing by the river. As I went down to the And who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sisters, let's go down, down to the river to pray. As I went down to the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, brothers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, Let's go down, down to the river to pray. As I went down to the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, fathers, let's go down, let's go down. Today we are all witnesses in this place, witnesses to the grace and mercy and love that has been poured out on Haven and that she is planning to pour out on all of us and the greater church family. It is my pleasure and honor to introduce you all to Haven Hobbs. Haven is a seventh grader at Vanguard and it has been a joy to get to know her as she's joined the youth group the past few months. She shared with me that above all else, she loves spending time with her friends and her family, and that she also loves to paint. So we have a budding artist. Haven is always asking great questions. She loves fiercely, and she speaks her mind. Jennifer's mom, our Haven's mom, Jennifer, will read her testimony. These are Haven's words. A couple of months ago, I went to passport camp, and I learned a lot about God and had a lot of fun. And when I got home, I thought about getting baptized, and I knew that was the decision that was right for me. I want to become a Christian because I want to follow God and Jesus and be a part of my Christian family. My favorite part of the Bible is Psalm 23 because I read it at my grandmother's funeral with my sister, and that was a very special day in my life, like today will be. I look forward to giving and receiving with you, my Calvary family. Haven, what is your profession of faith? Jesus is Lord. Based on that profession of faith, it is my great joy to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in a brand new way of life. Haven, you are a child of God and our sister in the family of Christ. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may the Spirit fill you and use you as salt and light in this world to the glory of God. Haven, now your church family is going to welcome you with this response. With joy and thanksgiving, we now welcome you into Christ's church, for we are all one in Christ. We promise to love, encourage, and support you, and to help you know and follow Christ. Thank you. 
before we move today, I want to remind you of three quick things. Sorry. Uh, three quick things. Always on a communion Sunday, we have an offering that goes to support those who are in need. So our Samaritans Fund uh, needs collection. So if you would please give generously as you exit the room today. I want to ask you to remind you that we need 100 people to sign up to pray for our congregation during these days. Please uh, sign up in the uh, Welcome Center as you leave. And thirdly, don't forget that you are bringing food next week for all of us to enjoy, and let's all have a wonderful celebration. Now let's sing together. He is Lord. 